0: Lord, I am so grateful to uh, be with the church again this morning. And um, Lord, just thankful that we can be together to open your word and and study it. Uh, Lord, this may seem like something that is routine, it it might seem like something that is mundane. Um, But Lord, as we're going to learn this morning in in Psalm 1, what we're doing, opening your word, reading, studying it, thinking about how it might change our lives or how we could apply it to our lives, thinking about its truth. Lord, your word tells us that it's literally water to our souls. And without it, our souls will wither. And so, Lord, we're thankful that you have given us your word and that, Lord, we can drink from it. That we may have life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just open our minds and our hearts to your word this morning. I pray that you would give us a genuine, irresistible craving for your word. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So, like most people, and I'm assuming probably like most of you, uh, I am always reflective around New Year's, all right? Most people like to make New Year's resolutions. I am definitely one of those people. Uh, my birthday is December 27th, so I just celebrated my birthday a couple weeks ago, and uh, so that means normally a couple of days after Christmas, my wife and I are out on a date celebrating my birthday, and so that's what we did a couple of weeks ago. We were out having dinner together, and we sit down at the table where we are eating, and Kim says to me, so is this gonna be one of those birthday dinners like all of your birthday dinners where we sit here and we're all reflective on the last year and everything we did do and everything we didn't do and all of the things that we wanna do for the next year and then that usually ends in an argument because of things we don't agree on and all of that. Is it, is it gonna be one of those dinners And the reason is because I'm always in this reflective place because my birthday is close to New Year's. And so we didn't make the dinner um, about that uh, this year. But... Um, I am one of those people who who loves to reflect on the past year, and sometimes I feel a little shame for the things that I I didn't live up to, and I always have this big vision for the the next year. Uh, My my biggest commitment that I have made for 2019 is I have agreed to complete a half marathon with my wife in September. And if you know me uh, and my hatred for running, this is uh, quite a surprising commitment. I'm even surprised that I made it, um, which is why I'm saying it publicly in front of all of you, because now I, I literally have to do it, um, or you guys will all hold me accountable. But, you know, as we embark in 2019 together as a church, um, I wanted us to uh, be in Psalm 1, because Psalm chapter 1 is going to present to all of us, I think, a, a simple choice that we can make as we look ahead into 2019. And it's a choice that I, I really want all of us to heavily consider. So let's, let's read that. Let's read Psalm one uh, together, uh, see what it has to say for us, and try to look at this choice that this Psalm presents to us. So if you have someone out, read along with me. You'll see it on the screen as well. I'm gonna read the whole Psalm. It says this. Blessed is the man and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so to start this morning, what I wanna do is just work through this psalm verse by verse to see, okay, what does this actually say? What is it trying uh, to communicate to us? And and it's not that really that hard to understand. So we'll start right there in verse one, where it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffer. Uh, So you could translate that word blessed as happy. Happy is the one who who doesn't do these things. And so what the verse does is present to us three different degrees of departure from God or three different degrees of sin. So he says, happy is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Uh, Happy is the one who does not listen to the advice of the world over and above the word of God. All right, so I have money. God says, be generous with that money. The world says, hoard that money and use it for yourself. Okay? So happy is the one who doesn't listen to the advice of the world, but listens to the advice of God. Uh, Or at work, I have a, maybe I have a coworker that, that annoys me. All right? So God says, love your neighbor, invite them in, befriend them. The world says, just avoid them, gossip about them to your other coworkers. So, I can take the advice of the world or I can take the advice of God's word. So you get the point, happy is the person who does not take the advice of the world. The second degree of departure from God is standing in the way of sinners. So this is not just taking the advice of the world, but now you're party to that advice. So you're now the one giving worldly advice to other people. That's the second degree of departure that person will not be happy, they won't be blessed. And lastly, the furthest degree that we see here in verse one is the one who sits in the seat of scoffers. This person, the furthest away, is the one who now mocks God. That's his place. He is sitting in this place of mocking God. This person will obviously not be blessed. So then we go to verse two. Verse two says, but his delight. So blessed is the man who doesn't do these things, but, verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So this person is blessed because he doesn't take the advice of the world or he's not party to that advice, but he immerses himself in God's word and in the instruction of God. That word law there in verse two is the Hebrew word Torah, meaning law, or he was probably referring directly to the first five books of the Bible. So this is someone who meditates on God's word. And when he says the word meditation, what he doesn't mean is is holding a yoga pose for a really long time. No, what he means is that this person, when he is in God's word, he has cleared out all distractions, he is completely focused, he gives his full attention to God's word. He, he's not just engaging, or, or he's not just reading his Bible through, he's engaging with the text, he's reading it, applying it to his life, asking questions, wrestling with what He's reading, he's engaging with God, he's immersed in it. And because of this, this person is blessed, this person is is happy. Why? How does God's word bring about that blessing? Verse three, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And so the psalmist uses this metaphor of a tree. If a tree is planted by streams of water, then that means its roots have, always have access to water. So if it rains a lot, it has access to water. If it doesn't rain a lot, the tree has supply of water, a constant supply of water. And so God is saying In the same way that a tree is designed to thrive and flourish through a regular supply of water, our souls are designed to be blessed and happy when it's in regular interaction with the word of God. And here's why. The psalmist gives us three reasons that the word of God will produce blessing and happiness in us. So the first one it says there is, it, it, it yields its fruit in seasons. It's one thing, a constant diet of the word of God will yield fruit in seasons. So think of an apple tree. If you have an apple tree and take care of it and you water it and you plant it in good soil, make sure it has good sun, it will consistently produce apples for you every summer and fall. It will be predictable. It will do what it's designed to do. And so as followers of Jesus, God has designed us for a purpose. He's given us a purpose in this life to glorify him, to spread the good news of the gospel, to love our neighbors, to be faithful husbands and wives and parents and workers, to exercise the gifts that he's given us. So we've been given a purpose. So this guy who's immersed in God's word and doesn't listen to the world produces fruit in season. And so this is what he is. He's consistent. Whenever there's an opportunity to produce fruit, serve God, love God, love his neighbor, do what God has called him to do, he does it. He consistently follows God and does not follow the world because he's planted by streams of water. He's not enticed by what the world says and he's consistent. Uh, the second thing, the reason why this brings about blessing is says its leaf does not wither. He's planted by a stream, so even if a drought comes, even if the sun is, is constantly beating down and there's no water coming from the sky, he still has constant nutrients that he needs to continue to produce fruit. So he's consistent and he's resilient. So when his kids continue to disobey what he has to say and whines at him over and over and over and over and over and over again, he's not fazed by it. He's consistently patient and gentle in his discipline, resilient even in hard circumstances because he's planted by streams of water. When the breakup happens or the diagnosis comes or when he gets fired from his job or when there is conflict, he's not tempted towards bitterness or he's not tempted to medicate that frustration or pain through the things of the world. He trusts God. He knows where his joy is found. He knows how to produce fruit in the midst of trial. He's resilient because he's planted by streams of water. Third and finally, it says he prospers in all that he does. And the Bible's definition of prosperity is obviously not the same as the world's definition of prosperity. But everything this guy does, he is aligned with the will of God and God gives him success and prosperity in what he sets out to accomplish. There are no distractions by listening to the world. He's a tree planted by streams of water, constantly being fed by the word of God and God gives him success in what he sets out to do. And he prospers in his joy and in his happiness and in his blessing. This guy is happy because he's immersed in God's word. He doesn't listen to the world. And God's word has caused this guy to be consistent, to be resilient and successful in everything that he does. And so, well, what about the person who doesn't immerse himself in God's word? What, what are they like? Well, verse four, the, the wicked are not like this, they're not so, but are like chaff that the, the wind drives away. So when you harvest grain, you first, you reap your harvest, bring it in, and then you thresh it. So you beat it at, at the threshing floor and that's to knock off all the chaff. That's the husks and, and uh, all of the stuff that's a part of it and all of the, you kind of knock all of that stuff off of the edible grain, all the straw and things like that. And then when you're done threshing it, you winnow it. So you throw it up in the air and the wind drives away all of the chaff, the husks and straw, the light stuff, and the useful grain falls to the ground. And Psalm 1 is saying that the wicked and those who don't immerse themselves in God's word can basically be described as chaff, rootless, useless, no substance, Good for nothing, they're, they're carried off by the wind. They are not consistent. They are not resilient. They are not successful. They have no foundation from which to live their life. And verses five and six describe their destiny. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, I said in the beginning that Psalm 1 was going to present to us a simple choice when it comes to our commitments as we look to 2019. And obviously, that choice is if we are going to be people who immerse ourselves in God's word, people who are planted by streams of water so we can be consistent and resilient and successful, or are we going to be people who listen more to the world And dry out until we become chaff, driven by the wind. Who is going to disciple us more in 2019, God's word or the world? It's convicting to think about that. I'm I'm sure every one of us is kind of feeling this sense of need to be in God's word more in 2019. And this sermon would end really nicely if I just finished it up with a few application points, tips on how to get started reading your Bible consistently. I could do that pretty quick. We could probably get this thing done 30 minutes early. But here's the problem. I have not preached to you this morning a Christian sermon thus far. You might go, what do you mean? You're you're, you're reading the Bible. We just walked all the way through Psalm 1. What do you mean it's not a Christian sermon? I mean, it's a sermon that offers good advice that we should probably follow. It's a religious sermon, but it has not yet been a Christian sermon. Because this is what I love about the Bible, and this is what I love about Jesus, and why I love Christianity, and why I believe this. It's because Jesus comes to us and he meets us in reality. Not in some religious nirvana. Not in some fairy tale land where we all pretend that we have it all together. But he comes to us on the ground and deals with the actual problem and doesn't just offer us law. What I have offered you so far today is law. And law will not change your heart. It will not make you fruitful. It will not make you resilient. And it will not help you when your world is falling apart. Psalm 1 is not isolated. Psalm 1 is included in a canon of scripture, all that fits together that we call God's word that tells us an incredible story of God's redemption. There's not one text in the Bible, Psalm 1 included, that can be taken on its own without being informed by the rest of God's word. So let's deal in reality now. We've walked through Psalm 1. Let's now deal in reality. If we go back to Psalm 1, which one of us in this room gets past verse 1? In fact, which, which one of us in this room gets past the first clause of verse one? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Which one of us here can claim that we, we never listen to the world? We may not want to, but which one of us can say, yeah, I, I've never listened to the counsel of the world in my life? I mean, which one of us can claim that we always bear fruit? Every time there's an opportunity to bear fruit for God, I do. Or that we're resilient in all of our trials. Or that we're successful in everything that we do. I mean, this is why New Year's resolutions are demoralizing. Because we struggle with being people who are consistent and resilient in everything that we do. We are so constantly led astray from the things that we really desire to do. Like Paul said in Romans seven, I keep doing the things that I don't want to do and the things that I don't want to do are the things I keep doing. I need help, God. Man, we are so easily driven by the wind. I mean, if we isolate Psalm 1 from the rest of the Bible, we would have left here today with conviction probably in our hearts of, man, I need to read my Bible more in 2019. And tomorrow, or maybe some point over this week or the, or the next week, we, we would have just been driven by the wind away from that conviction and away from that commitment. And so here's the reality there is not one human being in all of history that can say they, have, they do not take the advice of the wicked. There is not one human being in all of history who can claim that they always bear fruit consistently and are resilient in all circumstances. There is not one human being in all of history who can claim that they stand in the way of the righteous and not in the way of the wicked except for one. See, this is becoming a Christian sermon now because Christianity is about Jesus, it's not about us. See, Jesus is the man in Psalm 1. He is the one who has never walked in the counsel of the wicked or stood in the way of sinners or sat in the seat of scoffers. Jesus is the man who can claim perfect, unchanging consistency, never changes He can claim that he is resilient even in the face of the most ruthless of executions. Jesus finishes all that he sets out to do. We could not be this man. So God in his grace and his mercy sent Jesus to be this man. And here's why that changes everything for you and me. I'm gonna let the apostle Paul explain that to us from Romans chapter eight. And I'm I'm gonna read it from the New Living Translation because I think here, clarity and simplicity is is really important. So follow this with me. Here's why the fact that God sent Jesus to be the man in Psalm one changes everything for us. Paul says this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you have faith in Jesus, you are not under the judgment that the Psalm talks about. The ones who will perish. There's there's no condemnation if you have faith in Jesus. Well, how is that? Why? Jump to verse three. The law was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. All right, so this is what he's saying. We're not consistent. We're not resilient. We're not able to live this out. So the law... Cannot save us. So God did what the law could not do. God said, okay, I'm gonna do something about this. All right, this is why me preaching you a sermon about law is no good, because of our weakness. The law will not change us, and so we need help. And so here's what God does. He sent his own son, Jesus, and a body like the bodies we sinners have. He sent him to become a man. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins on, on the cross. And he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So Jesus came, he's, he's one of us. He meets the full requirements of the law. He lives it out. Consistency, resiliency, prosperity. He lives it all out. Did something that we could not do. And then he takes on the judgment that we deserve for not living it out. By dying on the cross, completely paying off our debt of sin, rising again from the dead. And so this is what Romans 8 is saying. The just requirement of the law that we have just walked through has been fulfilled in us. So here it is. If you have faith in Jesus, you will not be judged according to your sins. You will be rewarded according to Jesus' righteousness. Or that's the good news of the gospel. You don't need law. You need Jesus. And God knows that, that we are weak and that we can't do this on our own. We, we can't meet this righteous standard on our own. We're too inconsistent. We're too weak. So He sends Jesus to us. And He meets us where we're at. And it's Jesus, not our Bible reading or our law-keeping that becomes our hope, that becomes our joy. So you need to hear this this morning. If you trust in Jesus as your savior, God does not love you more or less based on your Bible reading. just doesn't. Your relationship with God is not based on your Bible reading. It is based on Jesus, the truly consistent one. If you failed at your Bible reading plan over the last year, nothing has changed in your relationship with God because Jesus stands in your place. If you yelled at your kids a lot the past week because winter break is really long and said things that you regretted, God doesn't love you any less because Jesus stands in your place. If you went to that dark place on the internet or drank too much or or you treated your spouse in a lousy way or whatever it is, Jesus stands in your place. God's opinion of you has not changed because Jesus is the consistent one, the resilient one. You are loved, you are accepted, you are not under judgment. With Jesus, you are fully known, good and bad, about you, and fully loved. And you might ask, Alan, that's beautiful, but does that mean we just toss Psalm 1 out? Or any other kind of law passage or anything like that? What is, we just disregard that? It doesn't mean anything for us anymore? Well, no, because you need to understand something that when you trust in Jesus as your savior, Jesus does something to your relationship with God. So Jesus transforms your relationship with God from primarily being judicial. So you, you being under the judgment of God. God is judge, you're sinner, you're under his judgment. So he changes it from being primarily judicial To being father, son, father, daughter. See, the Bible says that when we come to faith in Jesus, we are united with Jesus. Our lives are united with Jesus. So we're no longer under judgment because we are united with the death of Jesus on the cross that paid off our judgment. We're considered righteous in God's sight because our lives are united with the life of Jesus who lived out the righteous requirement of the law. In fact, Hebrews 2 says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother and sister as we look to our Father in heaven. We're united with Jesus. So, so here's the thing, our life is in unity with Jesus if you, if you follow Jesus, your life is in unity with Jesus and now we are in a process of getting our lifestyles in unity with Jesus. See that? Your life is in unity with Jesus and now we're in a process to get our lifestyles in unity with Jesus. That's something that God is doing in us and that is something we put effort towards as well. Becoming more and more like Jesus. And so God is our father. That's our relationship with God now. He's our father and every loving father gives his sons and daughters instructions on how they might live and gently disciplines so that we can thrive and flourish. So if I teach my son not to touch a hot stove and he touches a hot stove, there are a few things that are true of this. Number one, my son will burn his hand. There are consequences to touching a hot stove. And so God as our father, gives us instructions. And when we choose not to follow, well, there are consequences to not following it. That's discipline. But but here's also what's true is as my son's dad, I'm gonna be really sad if he doesn't heed my instruction and he touches the hot stove. I'm gonna be really sad that he has to face those consequences having a burned hand. And third, my son disobeying me, touching a hot stove, makes him no less my son. I still love him just as much before and after the episode. See, our relationship with God has been transformed from judicial to father-son, father-daughter, and he has given us instruction on how to live our lives in his word because he is working in us every single day, making us more and more like Jesus because he's after our joy. Okay, so with that new perspective, with Jesus as our savior, Psalm 1 becomes incredibly important to us because our Father is giving us loving instruction here. He's saying if you want joy and happiness and blessing, if you wanna become more and more like Jesus, then you need to immerse yourself in my word. You need to meditate on it every single day. Carve out time where nothing else can distract you. Read my word, engage with my word, pray, wrestle, ask questions, journal, do whatever it is, but be in my word because I'm telling you, it's for your joy. So we have to understand this. Regular meditation on God's word, it nourishes the soul. It produces consistency and resiliency in our faith. But regular excuses wither the soul. It dries it out, it makes you kind of like chaff where you just can get driven about by the wind and the world. And just like my son in the hot stove, God is giving us instruction. He knows better than we do. And if we choose not to heed God's instruction and avoid God's word, or we just dabble in God's word every once in a while, well, there'll be consequences to that. Our souls will be unhealthy. They'll be dried out, flaky. And that will make our father sad, but it won't make him any less our father, and his love will not change. But he will be sad because he wants you to experience the fullness of life. He wants you to be more like Jesus and thrive. And so, Christian, if you're a Christian, if if you follow Jesus, if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, I have a question for you as we look to 2019. Actually, it's a challenge for you because our process of becoming more and more like Jesus, it takes effort on our part as well. So here it is. Will you listen to your father who loves you? Will you heed his instruction? Here's my challenge. Will you commit in 2019 to allowing God's word to have more contact with your heart than anything else? Will you commit in 2019 to allowing God's word to have more contact with your heart than Netflix? Or politics? or sports, or 24-7 news channels. I mean, could anyone in here really stand up and say, actually, I think I'll be less happy, joyful, and blessed if I allow Netflix to have more of my time this year than God's word. I mean, does anyone really believe that who follows Jesus? I mean, will you commit in 2019 to meditating on God's word more than curating an online profile? I mean, will you let God's word greet you in the morning before Facebook greets you or Instagram greets you or your work email greets you or your text messages or whatever it is? Because I can promise you this, because God has promised us this in Psalm 1, that happiness is found in the one who delights in God's word and meditates on it day and night. Take him at his word. And I wish I had more time because I, I would go over a lot of, I would actually go over some tips on how to jump into your Bibles this year and, and read and get things out of it. So here's what I'm gonna do, because I don't have time, is, is I'll, I'm gonna post a blog this afternoon on our site. And so I'll put it out on the social media and um, uh, did I just say the, the social media? Um, and uh, we'll put it in our newsletter uh, this week as well. But here, here's, if you're looking for good Bible reading plans, I'll post some resources. I'll post some resources on some good ways to just start asking questions and how to get stuff out of the, the passage. If you're feeling intimidated about how, getting, how to start reading your Bible, I will, I'll post some, some good stuff uh, on that for you. So look for that. But I can promise you That committing to spend this time in his word will nourish your soul. And just like if you have a dried up tree in your backyard and you go and you, you know, sprinkle some water on it once a day for a week, you know, you're probably not gonna see much change like that, right? It's something that happens over time as our soul begins to drink in his word. And so you need to be consistent with it. And so, brothers and sisters, uh, Jesus says to us in John fifteen five. he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you cannot follow Psalm one, but praise God, Christ has come to save us. And so let us look to Psalm one for our 2019 Guys, because of Jesus, you have been planted by streams of water. You're there. The question is this, will you drink deeply of it? Let me pray for us. Father, All we can say is that we are grateful for Jesus. Lord, as I look over the past year, I can see so many ways in which I was inconsistent or ways in which I was not resilient in my faith. God, I praise you that my hope and my salvation does not depend on me, but it depends on Jesus the man who did come and conquer sin, the son of God who gave himself up so that we would not have to face judgment, the one who fulfilled the requirement of the law so that we can have freedom. And so Lord, I just pray that as we look to this year ahead, that Lord, we would trust Jesus that we would trust Jesus and Jesus alone for our salvation. And out of that, Lord, we would begin to hear and see your instruction, your word, your law, not as something that condemns us, but as something that we can delight in and follow. Loving instruction from a loving father who wants us to thrive. Lord, transform our eyes and our minds to begin to see your word that way. And Lord, build in us a desire, a craving for your word. As Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who delights in your law. Lord, help us to delight in your law. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.